Yep, y'all know what time it is. It's your boy, Just, and welcome back to another edition of the Daily Knicks Podcast. We have been out for a while, uh, just coming back to you guys live to break down the offseason. You know, on this edition of the podcast, we'll be talking about, obviously, the Knicks season, uh, the offseason, free agency, David Fisdale, and we'll give five good minutes to a Nets fan. So, let's start. All right, thank you guys for joining me again on the podcast. On this edition of the podcast, we couldn't find any Knicks fans, so we had to find a Nets fan who happened to be recording this while the Nets are playing in a playoff game, which speaks volumes to him. Uh, My boy, Zach, is on the other line. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing well, Justin. Thank you. Yeah, man. Anytime. You know, we can can let your – you can, you know, give a little – emotion if you're watching a Nets game and they do something well or don't do something well, it's all right. I, I won't hold you to anything, any higher standard of that. I'm going to try to keep myself a l- slightly reserved. <laughs> all right, so cool. So uh, obviously this is the Knicks. Thank you guys again for listening to us. And just to start off, for us, the Knicks fans, who want to get to where the Nets are right now. That's the postseason. Uh, we have tied the worst record in franchise history that we set all of three years ago. Uh, nah, yeah, three years ago. And uh, for that season, we got Chris Porzingis, which was a great return. Uh, this season, we're looking to get a similar type player uh, in the draft for all of our hard work. But before we talk about the draft, we want to talk about the actual season itself. So for me, Zach... Um, the season went basically kind of how I thought. Now, I don't think they were going to, you know, win only 17 games. I said, if Chris Stapps came at the beginning of the season, I was like, all right, if Chris Stapps comes back, I think they could win anywhere between 30 and like 40 games, like 40 on the dot games, like in between it, just because I think Chris Stapps is that good. Right. Um, if he didn't come back, I thought they would win about 25, 23 games, right? And. That basically what happened. I mean, a lot of the young players played, which was good. Um, you saw a lot of the different things that the Knicks had, which were some of the positives. And obviously, we got uh, Mitchell Robinson, who everyone is now in love with, who's now going to be, you know, the second coming of Rudy Gobert, just a guy who shoots threes now. Um Let's just talk about him for a second, since that's like the hottest guy in the in the on the roster. What do you what do you think about when you watched him play? I just thought about how surprising it was to see him just be so dominant. I mean, you know, coming out of high school, he was slated to go to Western Kentucky, I believe, which mid major or whatever, and then he wound up not going. So he kind of just hung out for a year, worked out, and came in and was one of the best shot blockers in the league. I think the most frightening part for anyone that has to go up against Mitchell Robinson is he's doing this all instinctively and off his athleticism. So he averages he averages two and a half blocks a game, also picks up a lot of fouls, but that's what happens when you have a young player who doesn't even really know how to play defense at the professional. If he's just going out there and 
making plays, which is great to see his aggressiveness. But as he starts to understand, he's going to just pick up little things. Like, you don't have to contest every shot and understanding when altering shots is more important than blocking. And that, just judging on this, just judging from this season, that might be a lot closer than people expect. I mean, he's only, what, 20 years old? 20, he just, he turned 21 so, April 1st. I mean, if he, 22, 23, that's not that far away. He's arguably probably going to be the best shot blocker in the league. I mean, you know, we can only hope uh, so far. So uh, f- for me, like, obviously I agree with a lot of the sentiments that you said. Uh, he was by far the biggest surprise of the season. So I had a column up. Like probably like maybe like during summer, like right when probably summer league ended, that's when everyone thought Kevin Knox was going to be rookie of the year. And I remember talking about him specifically. And I said that we shouldn't get too excited about him just because if you looked at like similar guys who were either drafted around there or had similar bills, they took a long time to get where they are now. Like Clint Capella, his first year, he split time in the G league then his second year, he was kind of backing up Dwight Howard. And then he basically became a full-time starter that third year. And But he did, he really didn't get his production going to like his fourth season in the league. Same thing with kind of Gobert, if you kind of look at his trajectory and his body size. So for me, especially with the fact that the Knicks had, you know, at the time I wrote it was Noah, who I thought was going to play, and Cantor. I thought it was going to be really hard for him to get any minutes. And the fact that he fouled like no other, I figured he would be in the G League for half the year until, you know, we got rid of Noah and Cantor and whatever, and he would come up. That, when he when I heard that he made the roster, obviously, you know, Noah not being on the team helped. But when I found out he made the roster, I was shocked. Um, And then just his first couple minutes, you're like, bro, this dude is a hack of machine. Like, he cannot stop fouling. And I think the game that really, like, was like, yo, like, this dude is – is about to be something real was the magic game, the first magic game where he where they got blown out, but he had nine blocks. I was like, he had nine blocks. And I was like, yo, this guy might be fouling like no other, but that dude can play. And um and that was the day I I officially cemented my hatred for Enos Cantor. Um it's not like I didn't have hatred for Enos Cantor, but that was the day I said Enos Cantor should not play basketball in New York anymore. Um so I mean, I can go wax poetically about Mitchell. I think he'll be, he should be the starting center next year. We can see, we can get into talks about that, about the, the actual team last next year. But the fact that a guy who was the 36th pick, and which is really funny, is that the Lakers were thinking about drafting him. And and they, yeah, and then Knicks got him with the next pick. And the exact guy the, the Lakers needed was a big man who could ran the, run the floor and play defense. And they, passed on him is hilarious um but uh he's obviously the crown jewel of what we got and a shout out to scott perry and steve mills for actually finding him you know in the second round how many second round picks turn out to be like he's probably gonna make first team all the all uh, first team all rookie this year um and that is an astonishment point as a guy who didn't play basketball last year. Um, so for the next part, I kind of want to combine it. Was there anyone else who really stood out to you on the team? You could just, It could be a veteran, rookie. They pretty much didn't have anyone older than 23 on the roster at a certain point. But 
Was there anyone else that really stood out to you? He was, he was, he was quite delightful when with the limited minutes he had, I mean, it's weird to say, you know, because he was a great college player. I remember, um, the year it, what was it? His junior year, the year before he got drafted, he averaged like 30 points over the first three games and tailed off a little bit, but he was still like, he still had the potential to be the national player of the year, but you know, being older, you're like, Oh, you know, whatever. He goes undrafted. He comes in, he starts, you know, making a couple shots here and there. And then he becomes sort of like the Knicks go-to guy for a little bit back when Kevin Knox was still trying to find his footing and just get comfortable in an NBA. Yeah, no, he, 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 he had, he had really good moments throughout the season. That's the one thing when you have older prospects, they, they're closer to their ceiling, but their floor is also a lot higher than some other rookies because they know the kind of player that they are. They know what moves they can go to to get to their spot to get an easy bucket. That's kind of like the trade-off. So it was surprising, but also kind of not. He just needed an opportunity. He needed the ball in his hand because that's the kind of player he is. He's a shot creator, scorer. And when you have a team like the Knicks, they really don't have anything going for them except player development. That's a good system for him to be in. Yeah, now just I guess on Trier, I was really conflicted on him because when he when they first got him, I was dead set against it. I was like, this guy's not that good. Um, I just thought he was really undersized, small guy, and he's twenty two, so he's a lot more he's a lot older than most rookies. You know, he's three years older than, than a typical rookie. Um, and I I didn't like his game, that whole like mid range whatever jumper. But for everyone who craps on Trier, and there's a lot. Uh, guys, like in in the NBA and out, uh, in I mean in the Knicks fandom and outside of it, just the NBA circles. The one thing that I've realized is that hit. I understand he will not be a good defender. Uh, I understand that he will not be. He will not average more than probably three assists in his career ever. Uh, but the guy can put the ball in the hole, and the biggest thing, his biggest asset to me isn't even like the fact that he can put the ball in the hole. It's the fact that he draws fouls. He draws a lot of fouls. Now, he's got to stop that little chicken wing elbow thing he does because he'll put his elbow out and get a bunch of offensive fouls. Um, yeah, so he's got a high elbow. So if he'll learn how to tuck that in. So eventually if he tucks that in, he knows how to get fouled. And that's huge, especially in playoff games, in big moments. If you can get to the line, that helps out your team immensely. It stops runs. It stops the clock when you need it to. It gets other people in trouble. It it helped tremendously getting into the for for an offensive team. That's one of the biggest criticisms I have. If we want to talk about like the negatives is was was about Knox. Um, his season was so herky jerky. Uh, I was really confused just by his like overall kind of play which i don't know if me and you were talking about this but i was talking to someone about this he he played this year like he played at kentucky which was like there'll be days where he would be great and the days where it looked like he didn't know what he was doing um i thought he found more consistency towards the end of the year with like his shot selection definitely but he shot off from the field uh yeah uh, he did have some moments where I was like, he's shooting. My biggest issue with him was like, he shot really bad from the free throw line. 
And that was concerning. And not only did he shoot back from it, he barely got to the free throw line. And to me, an indicative of an offensive player who's able, like a guy who's able to really like become a great offensive player, they get to the line. There's nobody in the league who is who's like in the top five in scoring who's not at the line, who's not living at the line. James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, LeBron, those guys live at the free throw line. And if if Kevin Knox isn't going to be able to draw fouls, that's going to plague him his entire career because that's going to make it harder for him to score points. He'll be between a 17 and a 20-point score as opposed to like a 25 to 26-point-per-game score if he can't get to a free-throw line right. consistently. Especially if he continues to shoot threes at like a 35% clip, you can get away with not getting to the line if you're making 40% of your threes because that kind of help makes up for it. But there aren't many guys like that in the league. I mean, you're looking at yeah the first – I mean, there's Steph, obviously, but he's a generational – talent i mean there's really aren't many high volume three guys who are their team's offensive centerpiece that shoot threes at this astronomical rate it's really just steph um dame paul george it's just he has to find he has to find a balance and of course you know the running joke he's 19 He's going to figure it out. That one of his. Oh my goodness, bro. That's everybody. It's like, bro, it's all right. He's 19. He's shooting like 20% from the field, bro. It's fine. He's 19. In reality, it is okay. Especially because like, given what the Knicks situation is. Yeah. But you can literally say that about anybody who's 19. You can literally put that on any coin. You can be like, I can say that about Luka Doncic, bro. He's going to get so much better. He's 19 or he's playing like crap, bro. He's 19. It's like, it's whatever argument you want to use it for. I can use that for whether he's good or bad. Unfortunately, that's just that's how it is with rookies because the sample size is so small, and you want to have an evaluation of somebody. But I mean, they're rookies; they're new. I mean, a lot of these guys, a lot of young NBA players, would benefit from maybe spending another year in college, but you can't fault them for wanting to go to the next level. Yeah, like my biggest thing is like I don't I don't judge anybody. To me personally, if I ran a team, I wouldn't trade unless it was like a no brain doubt I'm getting like a top tier player. I'm going for like a championship. Yeah. I wouldn't train anybody under the age of like 21 or who hasn't played three years in a league. At least get them. At it doesn't make any sense. Contract. Yeah. You get, you have a good contract. Two years. It's two years with, I think two team options for the third and fourth year. That is well, time. you can, it's a, well, I think for, yeah, if you're in the first round, I think in the second round, you have to like, make the contract but like in the first round i'm pretty sure it's a three year plus four or yeah. four plus five it's four years i don't know how many options there are but it's four years i think you get you get one you could pick up there no, no no you know what i think it is i think it's i think it's three plus one because mario hazonia got his option declined oh. or maybe i am, maybe i'm confused maybe it's four plus one i think i think three plus one or three yeah yeah i think it's there's total because five years for a rookie scale contract is a little odd. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have it right. I think it's three plus one. That's enough uh, time to properly evaluate a young player. Yeah. So, yeah. So, let's let's talk about, like, one player that probably needs to be evaluated. Now, I don't know where you stand on the, the civil war of Frank Milikina, but he didn't play well this year at all. No, he played like crap. Uh, he played like, yeah, he played like crap. 
Uh, he was all over the place. They played him at the at the two at the two guard at some point. Then they played him um, at small forward, and then he played some point guard, but not a lot of point guard. Then he got hurt. Then he got benched. Then he came back. Then he had like a little stretch of him playing well. Then I think he got hurt again. And then he pretty much missed most of the season. I think he only played like two more games um, after like January. Uh, so I'll just put myself on front street. I feel like I have to call myself a, a Frank truther <laughs> just because, like I said before, I think his defense is great and we can get into larger details later about why I think the Knicks should keep him. Um, but like I said before, I wouldn't trade anybody who's he's, he's 20. I think he'll be 21 in July, I believe. Um, and my biggest thing is, like, he's already shown you, like, flashes of being able to be a competent NBA player. Uh, and obviously, for the longest time, the Knicks, for some reason, are always going to get killed because they didn't draft Donovan Mitchell, even though three other teams passed on him after that. But that's here and over there. Uh, they have to figure out what they want to do with him now. Either way, either way the summer goes, either if they hit free on free agency or not, they kind of have to make a decision on him. I think with adding Dennis Smith Jr., it should make that decision easier because now you don't have to worry about Frank being a starting point guard, and which drastically lowers your expectations of him. So, do you play him at the two, or does he, or is he the backup? If he's I think he's better suited to play the backup because his offense is non-existent. He really doesn't do any. He doesn't score. I mean, he creates. He creates for his teammates, but he doesn't really do anything else. And at least if you, I think my my biggest my biggest thing with Frank is that I think he's like you ever play basketball, right? And like let's say like you get in the hole and like you get surprised, or let someone someone rolls over, you kind of get a little confused. I think that's him all the time. I think he'll make a move. He'll either get in the lane, and then he's he's not confident. He's like, "Oh, what do I do?" He doesn't have he doesn't have a, he doesn't have an offensive set. And the way he plays basketball and the way like the NBA plays play basketball are two totally different different ways. And he was drafted on potential, like that. That really was yeah. what it is. Um, and I. I get confused with him. Like, I see your point of like he should maybe he should just come off the bench. My ideal version of Frank is that Marcus Smart role where he's your lead defender on all the other point guards. Cause he's a big, he's a he's a big point guard. He's six seven. Yeah. That's what people yeah. forget. Frank's a big guy. And he can get stronger yeah, and too. He has, and he hasn't um, filled out yet. Yeah, he hasn't filled out yet. He's 20. He'll be 20. Yeah, like I said, he'll be 21 in July. Uh, he can defend. Like, I've seen multiple positions all the time. But at the same time, in today's NBA, you you, you can't have – if he and Mitchell are on the floor at any point, you can't have two of the five players not be able to shoot the ball. You just can't. There's no – there's no set of the no one's gonna put out a set of players of five players where two of the five can't shoot. They're just not. It's way too easy to defend the rest of the team if you do that. I don't care how good the other three players are. 
Um, so he was really disappointing. Uh, I'll circle back to talk about like what the Knicks could do with him. Was there anything else that was kind of disappointing about the season outside of them not winning basketball games? Um, I can't think of anything. No, I don't know. I mean, you said in the beginning that you, depending on the health of Chris Stapps, expected them to be better. I was the same way. I didn't see them winning only 17 games, but I had them in the 20 to 25 range. Believe it or not, I didn't have them that far behind the Nets in terms of potential. I thought the Nets at most would win 35 games this year. And the Knicks, if KP were healthy, they would have been around 30-32. So I'm not surprised really by anything. Um, It just sucks that they dealt with a lot of injuries for the young. And they sucked. I mean... (laughs) I mean, Emmanuel Moutier was the starting point guard most of the yeah, year, bro. I, like, it, yeah. it was what He's it was. better, but still, I mean, yeah. You got to – No, if there's one guy play. that I do not want back yeah. is Emmanuel DSJ Moutier. DSJ is the so guy. That, that, He's the – But here's the thing. I don't even really – I don't even really like DSJ that much. But, again, like, we'll circle back on that. I want to talk about Fizdale for a little bit. Um, so I know you didn't watch like a bunch of games, but to me, I, I watched pretty much all his interviews. I watched every single clip I can find cause I have a disorder, but, um, I, I believe in him as much as like handling the media. My, my biggest, so when I look at a coach, right. There were there were times where I like criticized him on certain things. Like I, the one thing to me, I the Knicks got blown out a decent amount of times, and I don't care how bad you are in the NBA, unless like you're playing the Warriors. Like sometimes scores look crazy at the end. Like they played the Warriors at home, and they looked like they lost by 22 points, but the game was like a, I think like a two point game in like the middle right. of the fourth, and then Kevin Durant just went on a 20 yeah. 0 run. You can't do anything about that. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it is what it is. Um, but there were too many times where they were just out of the game in like the first quarter because their defense was awful or, you know, they just – something bad happened. Now, towards the end of the season, they're basically playing G-leaguers, so I'm not really counting that. But I I can't judge him fully on this season just because, like, I don't think they ran anything, basically. Um, I don't know what – offensively, I don't think they did anything well. <laughs> um. But at the moment, if you take what he did in Memphis, I think his biggest thing is like he wants, and that's the, that circles back to the whole thing with Frank. I think he wants to like play with pace. I think that's why he, why he likes Dennis Smith and he liked uh, Emmanuel Moutier. They played with pace. They got the ball up and down. He talked about guys bringing the ball up and going quickly. Um, I didn't see that a lot during the season. In the beginning, I did, but 
I think he wants to play at a fast tempo. He definitely wants to shoot threes. That's the biggest thing about the Knicks season. No matter how much talent you saw or whatever, the two biggest stats that were for the season were just the Knicks did not make a lot of threes and they did not defend the three. That's it. You know, that's why they sucked. They couldn't make threes and they didn't, they didn't defend the three. Um, and so for me, looking forward to next season, that's something that I definitely would hope they improve on is making three-point shots. Obviously, you have to have three-point shooters to do that. But defend the three-point line better. Like, they were awful guarding yeah, the three-point Yeah, they couldn't line. really guard anything. Um, I think that being a Nets fan, I'm not trying to gloat here or anything, but watching the Knicks, having been through this process of, like, the front office bringing in new people to try to create a culture, that takes up a majority of the coach's energy because he's trying to, first of all, figure out what his rotation is going to be. Because he's got, unlike Memphis, there is a severe talent deficit that he's working with. I mean, he won 53 games with the Grizzlies because of two all-star caliber yeah. players in Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley. Goes to the Knicks, they have nothing. They've got a handful of lottery picks and a bunch of guys who you can make the case belong in the G League. So he's right. So he was not even make the case. Out, they were in okay, the G League. What is a system in which these guys can thrive? So figure he spends the first year worrying about that. Now they the Knicks go through the off season. They add a couple pieces. You know whether it be Zion, KD, Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler, whoever. Then he can start to fine tune that system. And start putting guys in positions that are better for them. And then also, he's going to have to focus on player development. That's where he and his staff are going to have to put a lot of their energy to where if someone is a mediocre, like let's take Kevin Knox, for instance. So he's a mediocre shooter right now. They want to work with him to become at least reliable because then that opens up the offense, you know, they can send him around a pin down. They can have him run baseline. They can maybe have him work in the pick and roll and see where that goes. But it's going to take time. And I think he's done a good job of not forcing anything. And as you said, just kind of letting the kids play ball and see what happens. Like it wasn't until, I don't know, last season that the Nets – actually focused on ball and player movement. When Kenny first came in, it was just like mm -hmm. five guys running around trying to put the ball in the basket. There was no flow. Every so often someone made a nice play, but that was it. There was really no substance to the game. Now, a couple of years down the road, you know what kind of system the Nets run. So the big thing, at least – from my perspective with Knicks fans, is they have to be patient and let Fisdale work with and groom the younger kids to be successful in whatever system he feels benefits them. Is it a pace in space? Maybe. Is it something like the Warriors where they balance up-tempo with a lot of ball and player movement? Maybe. Is it, I don't know, a watered-down version of what Mike D'Antoni does and he just puts the ball in the hands of his best player and lets them go to work. That's part of his job. And I think 
that is that's going to be crucial in the Knicks' direction. Yeah, is does he rush the process, or does he take his time and just figure out the intricacies of what he wants to build? Yeah, I think. Um, and obviously, okay, then we can now transition into like uh, the off-season plans of what exactly are going to happen. I think it depends. I think it depends what they get. So this off-season, obviously, this was basically the whole thing we've been fed up as Knicks fans the entire year. Is that you know we're going to suck this year. Uh, we're going to try to get draft picks and, and lottery players and all this other stuff. And then we are going to go forward. We're going to get rid of bad contracts on our team. And we're going to go forward and try to get um, max players. So far, all that's happened. Um, and now we're at the summer where, you know, we have to cash in our chips, basically. I I see the Knicks having one of three plans, basically. And... I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not I'm not one of those like Nick skeptics. I actually I actually believe in certain things, but for me, I actually believe this is the first time in my life I don't think they can screw this up. I really don't. I think it's a screw up proof almost. Um so obviously the main plan would be to right. sign KD, sign whoever KD likes. It could be Kyrie, Kemba, Kawhi, you know, his choice That's at that awesome. point. Um, and then get get Zion, but either play with Zion or trade Zion for Anthony Davis. That's kind of like tier one of the dream. Tier two of the dream would be, which is I think the second best thing could happen to the Knicks, is don't get KD, you don't get Kyrie, but you get Zion. And then you basically have a bunch of young players, a bunch of assets, and cap space to then basically be the Nets of this new of the 2020s. You know how the Nets basically took a bunch of bad contracts and took picks and everything like that. That's option two. Option three to me would be you don't get KD, you don't get the second guy, and then you don't get Zion. What you then can do is either take that pick, draft someone, and put them in your fold, or you take that pick and you take a couple of of your other players and then you try to trade for guys that you think you can get and figure it out. My ideal of that could be maybe you go after Bradley Beal and then try to put him on the Knicks and see how that works out. Or you try to trade for – you still try to trade for Anthony Davis. You bring him on the team, and then you figure that out as well. All right. So of those list of plans, which one do you think is the most realistic of I'm the gonna three? I'm going to rule out the last one. Um, what was the second one again? That was – The second one was okay, just I basically the we failed in free agency. I'm gonna Don't sign anybody. In the shoes of a Knicks fan, I would be rooting. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I know. I would be rooting. Oh, they're heavy for the shoes, baby. Outcome, heavy shoes. But I would set my expectations on the second because look no further than 
your crosstown rival who have made that second option legitimate. It is a legitimate way to build your team. I'm not. It would definitely suck to miss out on KD and Kyrie and everybody. But my biggest fear is that the Knicks sign these two superstar players and they are not able to compete. That Yes, you don't want to sign KD and Kyrie and then go out and win 25 games because you know, well, Kevin Durant is definitely going to sign a one plus one. Kyrie may give you... Like, I don't know, two and the third year being an option or maybe three. I think Kyrie is more apt to signing four years just because of his knee. And he's younger, too. He is he's younger. He's KDB. four years younger, I think, than KD. So KD, I mean, he signed a one-and-one one to return to Golden State. Meanwhile, he could have been there for God knows how long, and they win 18 championships or whatever. But KD's definitely doing the one plus one. Yeah. And if – because that roster is not ready – to that roster is not ready to contend for playoff spot. Part of my French. There's no way that they're going to be able to contend for a, a championship, even if they do sign KD and Kyrie. Now, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your point. The good thing about that is they're going to end up with a top five pick. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't care what happens. A top five pick is going to bring you a potential star. There are obvious tiers. It's Zion. It's tier Zion. And then everybody else. So well, I think people like John Moran a lot now too. I, yes. John Moran is, he's a great player. RJ Barrett is also a great player, even though. It is. It was a lot of fun to get these to get those jokes off during March Madness. Mm -hmm. He's a great player. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Who else? Oh, Jared Culver is another outstanding. Yeah, player. Yeah. So right now, I, th I see the top five projected is Zion, uh, John Morant, uh, R.J. Barrett, Culver, or Cam Reddish, whoever you like, and then DeAndre Hunter is like the fifth guy. So those six guys are in the top five, top six mix. Definitely putting DeAndre Hunter over Cam Reddish. I'm not sold on Yeah, him. I am. That is Jeff Green. <laughs> Definitely not sold on Cam Reddish. Yeah, I know. That's, um, he's Jeff Green. Brandon Clark might be able to slip in there. I, Best of friend I, in college basketball. I do not want if Brandon you Clark. Any of him, you have to watch him. He I've watched incredible. him play. I'm not a fan. I am a big fan. But anyway, so the Knicks are going to end up with either Zion, Ja, Culver, DeAndre Hunter, or R.J. Barrett, for argument's sake. Mm -hmm. Although getting Zion would be the best-case scenario, the Knicks shouldn't protest or whatever if they miss because the chances of them 
picking at what is it? The chance of them picking at five or higher than them. Yeah, so well, they have a it's basically fifty fifty of them getting a top three pick and them them getting the fifth pick. So a top right. three pick, I think they're at like forty two percent or something like that. And then like getting the fifth pick's like forty six percent or something crazy. Right. So um, you know, it's uh they're gonna end up with they're gonna end up with top, yeah, yeah. Getting the getting the worst record in the league at least at least knows you're gonna have a top five pick. Um, yes. Yeah. So there is something that they can at least lean back on. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people joke about the Knicks drafting Zion, but I wonder what percentage of those people are have already sold themselves on it, and what percentage are just doing it just to do it because it is fun. To, it is fun to joke like that. I'm not gonna. It is fun to joke like that, but I'm hoping that there isn't this false sense of security that the Knicks have the number one pick locked up when it's just no I I think I think it's the it's the bill of goods that are being sold right now um obviously you you don't no one ever thinks like yo we're getting the fifth pick like you know what I'm saying like no one you always think like the best is gonna happen right um which yeah which is a good way to think um so I'm going to circle back to your, your first point about KD and Kyrie. So if the Knicks get uh, KD and Kyrie, I was like telling people, I was, I was actually talking to Alan Hahn about this on his show. Um, they, they're no longer going to be in the developing players program. To me, that's really what screwed the Lakers over was because right. they skipped a whole they, the yeah, they had two diametrical aspects of the team. They had like an old team with a with a really young team, and it was kind of like confusing to play with, you know. So my biggest thing is like, if you have that type of team, like if you have KD and Kyrie, you're in win now mode. I don't care what you think. I don't know. Like I, I tell my friends or I tell people who can listen to me that like. You're in um like everyone who's 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 on the team now is up for sale, whether that's you know um Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, even Mitchell Robinson. There's a for sale sign for all of them if you get those two guys. Mm-hmm. So f- for me at least. I think if they do it the right way, they can be instant contenders because those are the two best guys in the league, two of the best guys in the league. And while they don't have much of anything else, you can finesse ways to get other players. Um, I don't think that they should actually go after Anthony Davis. I actually think they should keep Zion if they get Zion. Uh just because of the idea of like, if you look at all the big threes, like the third guy always had to like take a step back. You're going to take a lot of criticism, right? Yeah. And if you think about it, the third guy would probably have to be Anthony Davis, but he has the least amount of accomplishments of the other two. Like both have already run rings. Both have already, um, made big shots in the finals. Both of them, both of their legacies are basically set. Anthony Davis's isn't. So he's probably not going to be the one who wants to, wants to average 15 and 10. 
Whereas Zion, this year coming in, if he plays with those two guys, will average 15 and 10. You know, he'll he'll want to be to play the dirty work. He'll want to play the defense. He'll want to go get the rebounds. He'll want to, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna ask for more shots. He's a rookie, you know? Right. So I think that's a better fit, just a basketball fit. Obviously, Anthony Davis is better than Zion. Like I'm not arguing those two points, but just as a team, I think that would be better. Uh, but I do feel like there's a sentiment of Nick fans who want to build it the way that the Nets build it. They got all these players. They basically came up from the dundrums. Yeah. And, you know, like, are, are a relevant team now. I don't want to sound egotistical or braggadocious or anything, but there is this weird sense of pride that you have, even like being a fan of the team, not even being in the team. There's just this weird sense of pride where you're watching the game and you look at the players and it's like, we grew them. Like, yeah, it's the homegrown aspect. You're like, oh, I remember when we got yeah, these guys. It's like you remember when the Bulls waved Spencer Dinwiddie and he kept going up and down from the G League and now he comes to Brooklyn. You know, he spends a year or whatever developing, but now he's he was a candidate, probably going to be the runner-up for the Sixth Man of the Year award. And then you have Karis LeVert, you know, has all these concerns coming out of Michigan with his foot and this, that. He would have won most improved player if he didn't suffer that injury back in November yeah. or whatever. So there, that, there is that sense of pride. And then when you add the other talented players, there's this other ego boost where it's like, oh, wow. So these guys, it's like these MVP contenders, they see what we're building and they want to come compete. And then you look at the roster as a whole and it's well-balanced. You have guys who know what they're supposed to do, what their roles are. There are guys who are you know, 3 and D guys, maybe someone like Joe Harris, a J.J. Redick type. And the roster, you add someone like KD or Kyrie to the Nets, they're a contender. And they're – I don't want to say they'd be, they'd be a legitimate contender because I'd, be I'd be getting ahead of myself. But you could maybe swing the argument that way. Whereas if that were to happen with the Knicks and they didn't go the way the Nets did, it's like, oh, they're a contender, but it's like there's an asterisk next to contender. Contender and the asterisk is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in parentheses because that's really the only thing. As Ben Simmons gets a transition dunk, I'm talking about Katie going to Brooklyn. Love it. <laughs> hey, listen, man. It could listen as much as I, I do not believe that's the that's the one place he will go. Um, I firmly uh, believe wholeheartedly he will go to the I next. Definitely but... not believe that. All right, we can talk. We can talk about that too. We can talk about that too. It's just like my thing is like, well, I'll get I'll get to your point about homegrown. Uh, I understand people who want that feeling of that homegrown feeling, and you know, I guess I I, I like that as well. Listen, the Knicks haven't signed a player to a second contract since 1993. Damn, has it really? It was Charlie Ward. Yeah, they haven't signed. A, there's no player that they signed to. A, there's no player they drafted that they signed to a second contract since 1993. So I understand the the willing the like ability of having homegrown talent. Like where you go, he was terrible. Okay, he got good. Oh, he's really good. Oh, you feel a sense of pride there. But as a guy who has seen like I think five playoff wins in my life, I think I've seen five playoff wins mm-hmm. wins in my life. I don't care how they get them. I want them to right. win. That's it. I don't care how it is. 
I don't care how what it takes. I think what it is. All right. So I'm going to try to say this as specifically as I can. I personally believe that Katie's going to the Knicks. And I believe it's done. Like, this isn't a conversation anymore. Um, I understand everyone outside who's like, it's not going to happen. It's the Knicks and all this other stuff. But that is, yeah, that is your camp. Like, but here's my thing. Is your camp. All right. Question, question, question. But here's my, here's my, here's my, here's my question. Let's say you take the Knicks situation, right? Because part of it is the fact that it's the Knicks. It's in yeah. New York, okay? But if you just took the 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 name Knicks off of this, I understand why people are skeptical. It's like the team was bad, really bad. bad. Um, they haven't been bad. They haven't been good in years, and all sort of stuff. I think the fact that it's New York, that's the Knicks, that people are like, it's not going to happen. Like, definitely not going to happen. Um, my stance the whole time has been it's going to happen. Not the whole time. I have been convinced through things that it's going to happen. Um, and But my, 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 I guess, like overall take on like the idea of like why he would come is A, I think that's the. This is the only place he'll go if he leaves. Cause that's that's my biggest thing. Is like everyone like you can't tell me another place he would go if he leaves. Like where, he's not going to like people are like he's going to Lakers. He literally said playing for LeBron is toxic. He's not going he's to the up, Lakers. I mean, and he's fed up, or he appears to be fed up playing alongside Steph Curry, who might be the most beloved athlete on the planet. I mean, yeah, like he. I don't know what. I and like we can get into like my feelings toward him, but for for him specifically, like he, I think he just wants to play ball. He doesn't want to deal with like that LeBron noise. And I understand, like I watch first take, and Max Kellerman always kills the Knicks, and I find it hilarious that he does it because his points are actually spot on. But what makes it funny is that he's begging him to go to the Lakers and they're worse. Like the first time in my life, the Lakers have by far a worse situation, but no one is talking about the fact that like, they don't like if everything that happened to the Lakers this year happened to Knicks, it would be, I mean, I understand the Lakers led like was trending, but the jokes would be flying. Okay. They had, they got LeBron had a bunch of young players signed a bunch of awful, awful teams they had their president literally quit in an interview on the last day of the season. Didn't tell his, tell his boss. Now they're going to hire. Knows who? Um, who knows who? Ty Lue or Monty Williams. Before they hired the president who didn't hire them. And now their best hope is what? To pray that they get Zion or trade for Anthony Davis? Yeah. I don't That's know not a plan. Talking, you got to start talking to some other people cuz i don't i don't know many people who have been like high on the lakers bro i think honestly i think it's just i think it's really just max i'm just i watch first take a lot and he is like pounding the pavement for the lakers i'm like he is not going to lakers i honestly think it's 
the Knicks. I think it's I think it's the Knicks one. And that's I think it's done. I think he's going to the Knicks. I don't think there's anyone else it's, in, it's in the so competition. Odd too because even during LeBron's free agency, everyone kind of knew he was going to LA, but there was still a belief that he would maybe go to Philly. Even though like Philly Philly I thought yeah. was the best situation for him. With KD, it's where else is it gonna go? It's the Knicks. That's what I'm saying. The Nets or the Clippers. Like but here's my thing. I don't see him going. The reason why for me, and this is we can get into this, he's not going to the Nets because they're the Nets. And, like, it's not a shot at the Nets of, like, how they're run. Listen, I'm watching the Nets game right now. I'm pulling for y'all to win. All right? They're still in the phase where they're good, but their reputation still overshadows all the good they've done. And to be fair, it is deserved. They were they were a terribly run organization yeah. up until like three years ago, three four years ago. So I understand, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the Knicks aren't terribly run anymore, which is amazing. I can't believe I'm saying that They're the not, Lakers yeah. are terribly run. Really, the only thing the Lakers have going for them with, that separates them from being the Knicks is LeBron, because before before he got hurt. They were hooping, and it was all LeBron. Well, not all LeBron. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade at Kyle Kuzma, but a lot of it was LeBron. Now, to talk about Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn. I do not have my heart set on him going to Brooklyn. I think it's 50-50 between the Knicks and the Nets. I was talking to one of my friends a couple months ago where it would be dope if KD came to Brooklyn. But I wouldn't be upset if maybe they signed like Tobias Harris, who I. I think you guys are getting. I, I think I you guys are signing Jimmy I, Butler. I, I think I'd be okay with that. Jimmy, although, enjoy that, please enjoy that. Jimmy Butler, that is going man, to be a whatever. bad contract. He's got fucking thirty six points in game one. I don't know. We don't. Yeah, and when that knee explodes, don't say nothing to me when you got to pay him That's forty million when he's thirty-two. I see, I don't know if he'd be the type to sign a long contract either. He wants to. He's the oldest he's, but, dude in the I mean, I free know. agents. Maybe, maybe his mind will change later on. Anyway, getting back to Kevin Durant, I think that mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, the one, this is a big selling point. For KD, the Knicks are the one spot he can go where there is nobody who will overshadow him as the best player. Now, let me explain this because the statement, it sounds it sounds asinine. I'm hearing myself say it. I'm like, wow, this guy is dumb as rocks. So now in Golden State, right, there is this guy, Steph Curry. Everybody knows him. He is not better than Kevin Durant, but he is better than Kevin Durant. If I'm, you, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, what Fans you yeah. love Steph yes. a lot more than they love KD. And this goes back to the homegrown thing. So the Warriors, this is their baby. This is, this is the greatest thing ever to happen to the franchise. This is a top 15 player all time, unanimous MVP. How many races does he have? He's got three now. 
He's got oh, two yeah. rings. Oh, if he sure. wins this year, it'll right. be three. So, all right. Well, they're going to win this year. It's going to be three. He's going to yeah. finish with probably, I don't know, at least four. Uh, generational talent. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking, wait, wait, Tom, you're yeah, talking about Steph, Steph or three. Katie? Katie has two. Three. Steph has three. Right. So Steph has three rings. Yeah. Going to finish with five, five, six. Generational talent. No matter what KD does, he will never usurp Steph. If he were to come to Brooklyn, although there is no player on that roster that is better than him, there are players that would be more beloved than him. And I think as much as he wants to play, just play ball, I feel that there is this little part of him that wants to return to what it was like in OKC where there was this just unconditional love for him. It's not like a shot at him and saying that he's soft. It's just as humans, it feel, it doesn't feel good when you know that people don't like you. As much as you say, oh, it doesn't bother me, it's, it, it's bothersome. Some people it affects more it than others. You. I think that it affects KD just a little bit. And I'm sure that it affected LeBron a little bit when people when he made his decision to go to Miami. It's just how humans are. If he goes to the Knicks, there is nobody on that roster that they would love more than him because, A, no one has been on that roster long enough for the fan base to love, except maybe Mitch, and that's just because of how he played this year. And two, correct. He's actually an NBA player. I said two, excuse me. And B, Kevin Durant would be the player that pulled the Knicks from the depths of the NBA and stopped making them a laughing stock. That is why I think he would go to New York. Yeah. Much like LeBron, it's a basketball decision, but kind of not really. It's not the best situation for him, but it's the one that would satisfy him the most. Right. Even though he's already increase his legacy. All-time great. I mean, there's no- like he can he can do both. He can like he can do something that no one in the NBA has done since the seventies. Um in the biggest market and also expand his brand uh to great. It's the it's a great power move to 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 um offset LeBron in the West. And I think for the NBA this would be great. Obviously as a fan, I'm gonna love this. It's a great uh chess move. I, I think to some of your points, like to this for me for with uh, KD is like, um, I question what KD is searching for a lot because if I'm just being Old objective, state. I would never leave. Like you can get yeah, you can get Draymond traded. Like, <laughs> like you can just stay there. You know what I'm saying? Like you can legit win the next like three championships and but again like i don't think a lot of, a lot of the times what people don't realize is that these dynasties they don't last for a reason and at some point i don't think these guys are yeah. meant to you stay together is, for like, this long i mean to us to fans basketball players are different but to them as much as they enjoy it it's a job and if you spend too much time with your co-workers and they have this, and they just, there are a couple things about them you don't like. Over time, it's going to manifest. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
we can go home at like I'm on the road with you. I'm we're sleeping in the same rooms. Yeah. Like we get out, we go to practice, we do and a lot of stuff together. Or his family. If you're around somebody enough, they're gonna bother you. If you spend 13 days in a row with your significant other and they're draped all over you and you're just in constant contact with each other, something's gonna happen and you're just gonna have a meltdown. And Kevin Durant, on multiple occasions, regardless of how you feel about him, he has had several instances where he's talking to the press where it's looked like he's starting to break down. And it's it was blown up. Mm-hmm. One, because it was the sound bites were just super juicy, juicy. They were amazing. But also because it goes back to him being kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the Golden State Warriors, where you have Clay, Dre, and Steph, and they can do no wrong. But you have KD who kind of just like saunters in and it's all, you know, the honeymoon phase where when you first get a girlfriend, it's like, oh, I love you. It's been three weeks. It's like, oh, I love you so much, whatever, whatever. And it's like, oh, this is this is what we're doing. It's just it's it's a very weird dynamic. And I can't say, you know, I haven't lived on this earth many years and I've only been watching basketball since I was, what, 12 or 13. But it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. I don't recall Miami's big three having problems like this. I mean, there was Shaq and Kobe, but that was also the same kind of personality clashing, which tends to happen. It's like. Yeah. I just think we're in a day and age now where like, we're not going to see these super teams. Like, I'm not going to say we're not going to see super teams. I just don't think we're going to see like players spend as much time on one team as they used to like. Like I think Steph and Russ and probably Dame will probably yeah they'll be the last yeah they'll be the last guys who are like this is my team for years now. Granted, there might be an outlier like there might be a dude who uh, I mean it's always it's also kind of been that way since the NBA's expanded. Like back in the day, you know, players stayed with teams 13, 14, 15 years because there were only 18, 20, 22 teams. You know, you get start. You reach the 90s, league starts to expand, and it gets up to 28, 29, 30. And now there's just so much talent. Excuse me, I'm burping. I don't know why. There's so much talent that. Jesus, man. I don't know <laughs> Gassy, what's going on. There, there are so many teams, and all these teams have so much talent dying, that. Bro. The player, the stars kind of become expendable, as weird as that is. Because it's just by luck you're gonna wind up with at least one star somehow. Now the prop the it then comes down to the front office being able to get that second star or that third star, win two or three titles, and then it breaks up. Because that's been that's been the trend. Like the big threes, they haven't really experienced they've had a lot of success in a short period of time. So, you know, LeBron LeBron wins two titles with Miami. That was over four years. If you look at someone like the Spurs, Greg Popovich Popovich has won five titles over 20 years. While five titles is still a lot, spread out over the course of 20 years, it makes more sense. You see what I'm saying? It's it's this weird thing that's going to happen where the super team is going to – it's going to persist, but it's going to be – different i don't really don't know how to explain it i imagine yeah 
No, I, I get you. There'll always be outliers. Like super teams, there's always been super teams. I think it's now just because like player movement and like guys also players basically were, doing the whole pre agency thing where they're, they're like, more invested get in out of themselves here. than ever before. It seems um, like every player knows that they that they're a brand and that they're a business, and they're now making decisions that reflect that. It's it's mm-hmm. part of just culture. Yeah. Now, you know, back in before social media. It was really just another job. Guys had to just go out and play basketball. Now guys have to go out and play basketball, but everything's so accessible now. They're constantly trying to make moves that aren't a PR disaster. And on the basketball court, they have to be extra cautious because that is where their brand comes from. And it's a lot easier for fans to nitpick something they do on the court than it is off the court. Because, I mean, they still remain relatively private. I think about how many leaks there are in just relation to all the players in the league. And a lot of those leaks, it's all business related. There aren't many scandals coming out. So they just have to worry about making the on-court decision that is best for them while also making them not look like a douche, if that makes any sense. Even though they're always going to rile up somebody regardless of the decision that they make. No, nah, I feel you, bro. Yeah, um, no, that, that that definitely makes sense, man. Uh, so my, I guess we're just to to wrap it up because we've been talking for like an hour about this, which is amazing. Um, I'll give you your like five minutes to talk about the Nets, even though they're nope. on commercial and they have to kind of turn around. If they want to win this game. Uh, so yeah, so please give the update on your Nets. My Nets as, are doing very well. You know, I'm very they're excited. in the playoffs very at least happy. for the next three, three more games. Oh God, no! It's been more than three very long years. Oh, God. I'm just, I'm just so happy that they have a competent front office and a competent coach, and they actually have talented players. I mean, I really can't say. Well, I mean, I can say a lot of bad things about a couple of guys on the team, but for the most part, I don't hate anything about the franchise, and I actually enjoy watching them. Seventy-five. 80 times throughout the year because it's they're actually competing now back a couple of years it's like oh you know they were kind of like a novelty it's like oh the nets are playing let's see how badly they get beat down and now i mean they're beating philly well in the regular season they beat philly a couple of times i mean they had that incredible comeback against houston a couple months ago where spencer dinwiddie turned into michael jordan and had like 29 points in the fourth quarter in overtime just Remarkable. Uh, The future is bright, and I think that's what excites me the most. It's going to be a big summer for them, just like the Knicks. I mean, they have a couple decisions to make in regards to who they want to chase in free agency. Do they want to swing big, hoping to convince Kevin Kevin Durant to sign them? Um, How much do they re-sign D'Angelo Russell for? That is a big talking point for a lot of people. You know, is he worth the max? I think I would give it to him just because of, yeah, he's a great player, but also what he means to the fans, kind of. Like if that, like if he's a, he's a star, and the Nets haven't had that in. I can't even, I can't even remember. I mean, that's going back a long time. I mean, you could. 
that's Richard Jefferson that's days. Even longer. That's a decade ago. The Vince Carter days. I mean, they traded for Darren Williams, but he was already like he was that point. Like, remember when there was a legitimate debate? Ah, Darren, about Williams, Darren Williams, man, those knees. Ball? Yeah, the Nets acquired him way, way past that. So I mean. Yeah, Darren Williams was a star at one point, just not with the Nets. And I mean, of course, there was Brooke Lopez. He was a star to us, but not in the NBA. Um, yeah, we might actually have to go back to that far to when Jason Kidd was throwing lobs to Vince Carter. Damn, that was a long time ago. Man, that was when. That was only a couple years before. They went 12 yeah, to 70. Man. Y'all were back in Jersey. That was suicide. That was literal suicide watching that. And I was a kid too. I, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. I just saw this team losing. I'm like, what does this mean? And now looking back on it, I'm like, wow. That was a historically bad basketball team. That was literally a JV basketball team in the NBA. Remarkable. Bro, Why? Yeah, man. I uh, I just watched one of those oh, this season. About you were watching that because I love team. you still watch your team when your team was terrible. Okay, your team yeah, basically got that. ransacked yeah, by I mean, the like, Celtics. Josh Boone. No disrespect, but oh no, 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 no. I watch yeah. my team. I can't watch. Yeah. Nah, all the way disrespect. Yeah, man. Uh, so uh, yeah, so like obviously our summers are going to intersect. Basketball, um, and that's what I want. Good, I want y'all to be good. The NBA, and I want us to be good as well. Los Angeles. Now we just need the Lakers to do their part. The Knicks to to do their part, and we'll be good. None of those four teams are winning a title anytime soon, but and we'll all be good. Listen, bro. Giannis is what twenty four. I don't know. I don't know about that. But book it. I think if things break right, if things break right, that the Knicks could win a title. I would definitely be surprised next year. Listen, listen, Giannis is man. You'd be surprised. The pin. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Yeah, that's the Listen. Pistons. Okay, the Pistons so now, don't have do five good players. The, the Pistons don't KD. have anyone on their team that can start for the Bucks. Bro, it would be three. It would be bro. Three if they got KD, Kyrie, and Zion, they would beat the piss well, out of the Bucks. Guarding Kyrie. Yeah. Zion. Who's guarding Kyrie? Who's guarding Zion? Who's no, stopping no. Mitchell? No chance. My guy. My guy. My guy, Ooh. my guy, my guy. Whoa. Wesley Matthews is just as good of a defender as Eric Bl- as the Eric Bledsoe. Wesley Matthews is getting cooked by Kyrie. There is not a guard alive who can stop Kyrie. You are out sure of you. Have you seen Kyrie play Eric uh, Bledsoe? Sure he's and lovely. I like Eric Bledsoe. But I met Eric Bledsoe give, like a couple months ago. He's a nice guy. He's getting cooked by What's Kyrie. Wrong with the rest of the team. He's getting cooked. If Zion, KD, and Kyrie give you 30 each, that's 90, right? Nobody Don't else matter. I only need three guys to score. What is going on? What is happening? 
my guy. You have to. So, all right. So, let's be real. You really think that if three guys on team score 30, no one else will get a point? I mean, he's going to score what? Five points? So, you're not. So, you're telling me that Trier couldn't make any shots? No, probably not. He can't score 10 points? He averaged 10 points as a rookie. He can't get 10 points as a second year player with better talent? This is what I don't understand. Like, you ever heard the. All right, this is my last thing that I really got to go. You ever heard you ever heard Shaq's ever? theory about how to score twenty points in the league? Yes, let me hear let me hear Shaq's theory about being seven <laughs> Again, do you want to listen to the rest of it or you just want to cut me off? It wasn't a theory, it was a point. It's like this is how you average twenty points in the league. Now he wasn't he was being facetious, like he wasn't saying okay. exactly twenty, but he said like this if you go yeah. to the free throw line four times, okay. Like, okay. you take four free throw attempts, not necessarily go there four times. Okay. If you just okay. run the floor two or three times, and if you make two threes, you get 15 to 20 points. Right. Okay. Like, in this league, I'm not saying Zion or whoever. I'm not saying Alonzo Trier, that's what we're talking about, is going to average 20 next year. I'm not okay. saying that. But can okay. he have a bunch of 20-point games? He had a bunch of 20-point games, again, as a rookie with bad talent on the team. This is what – that's my point. So when you say, oh, if he gets 30, he gets 30, he gets 30, who else is scoring? Fam, just by yeah, happenstance. All right, we're watching the we're watching the game right now, okay? Ruddick, uh, we're watching the, the Brooklyn game right now. Y'all losing to Philly. Ruddick, okay. um, what's his name? Harris right. and yeah. Simmons each got like, 30 points. There's 123 on the board. Coach. coach of the year, right? That means other people had to score. Coach of the year. Now, so, the point. What happens? So, sure, he is going to make sure that nobody other. I don't think he's coaching the year, but sure, go all right, whatever. If this were to happen, okay. So, all right, my guy, do you watch the NBA? You cannot stop everyone from scoring points. So, even if the Knicks do put up 110 points, what good is it if they let up 135? But, like, that's what I'm saying. Oh my God. They're not. Jared, they're, I, missed okay. I, I missed this. I missed this. <sighs> Zach, I, I appreciate us. I'm, I'm surprised we got through I wish 100 minutes. Uh, I'm glad we got through like 70 minutes of talking about basketball without screaming at each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But all right, man. I'm glad we got this talk. Uh, thank you again for coming I'm, in and I'm, just saying that stuff. Um, first, right. Zach, if you want to look, give your IG or Instagram uh, accounts, so people can follow the Nets Zach, trolling. Two underscores, Cronin, C-R-O. And I unfollow me there for uh, bad tweets, bad content, and uh, bad jokes. Right, Justin? Whatever you say, man. Uh, thank you again for stopping by. Uh, and uh, yeah, for the Daily Nexus, your boy, Justin.